Thanks for listening. The following audio is a teaching from Calvary Tucson's Young Adult Ministry, Ignition. For more teachings, information, or if you'd like to support our ministry, please visit us online at ignitiontucson.com. We pray you're blessed by the message. For we know, oh my goodness, what a good verse. For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you. For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you. The greatest, most, most incredible theological truth that you can find in the Bible is that little, insignificant, selfish, sinner you is loved by the most incredible being in all of eternity. You are loved by God. You are loved by God. If you're taking notes, I want you to write down in capital letters and underlined, I am loved by God. What does it say again in 1 John 4, 9? God hasn't just said that he loved us in his word, but he has made manifest his love to us in the sending of his son to die on the cross for our sins. God, didn't just, God hasn't just said that he loves us, but he has proved that he loves us by sacrificing his son on the cross for us. God's talk isn't cheap. God's talk isn't cheap. He has chosen you, right? If we go to Jeremiah chapter one, God says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you or I set you apart, I chose you. Obviously, he's speaking to Jeremiah specifically in this, but the concept holds true. You are chosen and you are loved by God. Romans 8, we can go through, through so many verses. Romans 8, 29 through 30. Whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. And those, he, who, those who he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. 1 Peter 2.9. Oh, man, I'm so excited to read this verse. Man, highlight this verse if you don't have it highlighted. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Calls you out of darkness, man. You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood. Let's go, let's read verse 10 too. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Once you were not a people, but now you're God's people. Oh my, you have been chosen. You have been chosen by the all-knowing, all-powerful God. I want to read Ephesians 1. Verses three through five, man, we're just, we're just getting encouraged right now. Blessed be the God. So this is Ephesians 1, 3, three through five. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ Jesus with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, just like Jeremiah, right? That we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. 
Man, God has chosen us. God loves us. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. 1 Timothy 2, God desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That is an absolutely incredible truth that we get to hold on to as Christians. And we have been adopted into the family of Jesus. Now we're going to read, um, continue on in, in the chapter. Verse 5, just the first part of verse 5, it says, Because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. I'm going to read that. I'm going to read that actually with verse 4, just so we can get a tiny bit of context. For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Paul knew that they were chosen by God because of their response to the gospel. He recognized that it's not just words that make the gospel so powerful, right? But it's the power of the Holy Spirit and it's the conviction that he brings us that takes us to the place of full surrender. So Christian, man, this is, this is the challenge. Christian, are you sharing the gospel with people? Are you sharing the good news of Jesus with the world that so desperately needs him? Are you listening to the prompting of the Holy Spirit and going through those open doors to share and fighting the, the fear, right, that comes when God opens a door that you, that you don't think you're ready for? If you are, uh, and let's just, let's just talk about that a little bit, if you are afraid to, to share your, your faith with people, what are you afraid of? Let's dissect this a little bit. What are you afraid of? Are you afraid of what they might think of you? Are you afraid that you aren't going to have the best answers to their question? Are you afraid that, that if I share the gospel with them and they, and they don't accept um, Jesus as their Savior, then, then you're a failure? Are those the things that you're thinking? Let me ask you this. Why do you believe in Jesus? What is your story? What is your testimony? Um, we talked about this uh, last week, we kind of shared our story with you guys, and I had the absolute privilege of hearing two people's testimonies, um, and I was, I was so incredibly blessed by hearing these people's stories and hearing what God has done in their life. The, the test, your testimony and your story is so powerful, and it reminds me of one of my favorite stories of the Samaritan woman at the well. All right, so this um, happens in John chapter 4. And she's at the well. She has an experience with Jesus. Jesus meets her. Jesus talks with her. And, and she believes. Man, this lady has faith. And she runs through the town. And she just starts telling everybody what Jesus has done in her life. That's, the, that's all she did. She told everybody what Jesus did in her life. She shares her testimony with people. She shares what God has done in her with people. And these people... And it, and it attracts people. People start coming to Jesus because of what they heard that, that he did in this woman's life. And I absolutely love what they say in, in John chapter 4, verse 42. And they said, and this is after they'd spent some time with Jesus. And they said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is indeed the Savior 
of the world. All all she did was bring people to Jesus and allowed them. She created an opportunity for people to come and experience Jesus. And when people experience Jesus, they're changed. They're transformed. How powerful is that, man? When we share the gospel with people, that's all we're doing. We aren't the ones that, that are saving them. We aren't the ones changing their lives, right? We're not the savior. And, and a lot of times we like get that in our mind, I need to save them. Man, I need to save this person. Jesus is their savior. They are held accountable as to whether or not they accept the free gift of grace. What if they don't believe? That's not, that's not up to you. That's not your job. Your job and your calling is to spread as many seeds as you possibly can. You plant seeds, and you water seeds, and you pray that God grows those seeds, right? You can plant as many seeds and water as many seeds as you want. You can't make a plant grow. Man, that's God. So I encourage you with that, man. Spread as many seeds as you can. Share the gospel with people. Take that step of faith. Let's continue on in verse 5, and we're going to read the the second part of verse 5 and go into verse 6, and it says, You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord. You see, Paul, Silas, and Timothy's lives, they reflected the gospel. Their lives reflected a life of grace and love and surrender to the will of God. And this aspect of sharing the gospel, man, is so important. It's so important. When you share the gospel, being, being a light, right? And we, we've talked about actions and we've talked about motives already, but being a light is so important. What, is, what does Jesus say? Again, let's go back to the Sermon on the Mount. Um, in chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, Jesus says, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and glorify your God in heaven. So that they may see your good works and glorify God in heaven. Each one of you has been given a unique opportunity to reach uh, a unique and specific group of people. Man, the families that, that you have, the places that you work, the places that you go to, to go to school, those are people that you can reach that I can't reach. Those are people that you can reach that Sean can't reach, that Carlos can't reach. God has given you a unique opportunity but he says if salt loses its flavor and you're living exactly like the world and there's nothing, there's nothing different about you, then what's the, there's no point for salt. It's just rocks. Just throw rocks in the street. There's nothing, there's nothing that sets you apart. And, and hiding a lamp under a basket, so we're, we're the light of the world. Should we just run from the world and hide and, and try to protect ourselves from sin? Oh, no. Sinners, get away. No, don't touch me. I don't want to get sin on me. What did Jesus do? One of the most, one of the most incredible things uh, about Jesus. Man, Jesus, like I said, like there's so many things about Jesus that it's like, man, that, he's incredible. When, when Jesus, 
right? Jesus was, was, the, was the perfect son of God, right? The only perfect being to ever exist. Uh, the, the only perfect human to ever exist. Yet, you would think that if someone's perfect, you don't want to like get around that person because, oh, they're perfect. I'm not perfect. I feel like a piece of trash when I'm around them because they're a little goody two-shoes, right? That's usually how we feel. But Jesus was, was different. Jesus attracted sinners. Jesus attracted sinners so much that they would invite him to his house. And not only was Jesus the, the type of person that would get invited to sinners' houses, but Jesus was the type of person that would go and he would have dinner with them, and he would fellowship with them. That was one of the reasons why the Pharisees hated him so much. They're like, man, that guy just hangs out with sinners all the time. Jesus was the ultimate light of the world, and he spent time with sinners. Man, he was a lamp on a lampstand. So so I encourage you guys, man, put put your light on a lampstand. Don't don't run away and, and hide from... Um, from the world out of, out of fear. Verses 6, we're going to end uh, verses 6 and go into, go into verse 7. For you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit so that you became an example to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Achaia, like Achaiti. Achaia. It says they received the word and affliction and joy. And those, those seem like opposite words, right? Affliction meaning something that brings pain. That's affliction and joy. It's like, what the heck? How can, you, how can you receive something in pain yet still have joy? It was the, because the, they, these people were persecuted for their faith. These people were assaulted for their faith, but because of the joy of their salvation, Right? They could continue walking through their circumstances in el peace, in hope, a strong, confident expectation. Jesus says in Matthew 10, 28, Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. What do we have to fear? We've already read that we are adopted sons and daughters of the living God. Who do we have to fear? The answer is absolutely nobody, right? Um, Okay, verse 8, rhetorical question. (laughs) For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. And that is how God works. Is absolutely incredible. It blows my mind that God chooses to use us as his hands and feet to share his good news. But he does out of his incredible grace. Out of his incredible grace, he's chosen you, right? One of the, one of the things that, that, um, that Robert always says is you've been given the keys to the kingdom, right? You can let anybody in that you want. So again, Let's take that opportunity and let's spread as many seeds as we possibly can so that people, this hurting world, man, can experience the freedom and the grace that we have experienced. The work, the work of Jesus in people's lives, it spreads. It changes people and it's desirable and it's attractive. Who doesn't want to live in that? Who doesn't want to live in that? Verse 9. 
For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and the true God. Man, I'm sure Paul right now is on cloud nine. He is just so incredibly encouraged that, that, these, that this church, man, is just living it. This church has experienced Jesus, man, and they are being a light. And it's, it's so encouraging when, when God allows you to, to see someone's transformation um, after you've been praying with them and sharing the gospel with them. I had, I had a Marine that was probably the most belligerent, anti-Jesus, anti-God person I've ever met. Anytime the, the, the concept of God or Jesus came up, he, he would make sure and make sure that he would do it loudly, just put you down and try to make you feel like an idiot for believing in Jesus. So anytime... I had the opportunity to kind of like share with him and talk with him. <clears throat> Sometimes God would open the door and we'd have like a pretty good conversation for a little bit. And then, bam, he would just get right into to talking about like how stupid it is and, and how, how, how I'm an idiot for like believing that. Um, but God gave me like such a heart for this guy and such a love for this guy. And so anytime I'd like talk to him about something that had to do with Jesus, I'd be like, hey, man, I'm praying for you. He'd be like, okay. Hey, man, I'm praying <laughs> you. All right. Anyways, so... Yesterday, while I was studying for um, this teaching, he texted me, and and I and I haven't I haven't seen him in like I haven't seen him in a couple months now. But he texted me and kind of asked me how how I've been doing and how the transition has been. And so we texted forth, uh, we texted back and forth a little bit, and he told me he's like, "Hey man, I just want to let you know that I'm on the road to Jesus." He said, "I've been reading my Bible." And he said, I've been learning a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's, he, said, I've been, um, he said, I've been reading my Bible. And he said, I've been learning a lot. And he said, I'm not there yet. But, but God has started to, like, convict him on, um, God has started to convict him on certain, like, addictions and things in his life. And I am just so incredibly, like, humbled and honored that God would allow me to to, to get to witness just a little little part of, of this guy's like this guy's like walk to faith in Jesus um, and just just get to see that Jesus is starting to impact his life after just years of praying for this guy it's so encouraging man it's so encouraging to to see people that you've been praying for and sharing with just start to see and catch a glimpse of the goodness of God and the beauty of Jesus. So anyways, getting into uh, the, second, the second half of this, so you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. And we're going to get uh, more into this later on in the book, but uh, the city of Thessalonica was, was a Greek city, and they had the, the Zeus and all those other thousands of gods that they had. Um, and they had little idols, and they had temples that they would go to, and they would worship just like a lot like, like how our world is today, right? Not the physical idols. It's not like we have little idols everywhere that, that people worship. But they were a pagan uh, group that worshiped many gods. And America, in the world, excuse me, is very much like that today. The things that, that we worship are things like work. We worship, we worship sex, man. We worship power. We worship money. We worship all these different attention, man. That's a huge one. We, we worship people's attention pretty significantly when you think about just like social media and all that other stuff. We were created to worship. 
Man, God created us to worship. And we're created to worship Him, but so many times we turn our worship to other things, whether it be ourself or some created thing that God has given us. But these people, man, when they experienced Jesus and they saw who the, tr- the, the real, true, living God was, they turned from their idols because they realized, man, these things are nothing. We're seeking pleasure and we're seeking joy from these things and they have nothing to offer. Yeah, it's fun for a season, but it's nothing like worshiping the living and true God, the one that created you, the one that created joy, the one that created happiness, the one that created peace, the one that created pleasure. That's the God that we worship. That's the God that we worship. Verse 10. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Before we talk about this, I, I missed a verse, and it's, and I don't, I don't want to miss this verse. We're going we're gonna to read it because it's incredible. We're going to go to Ephesians uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And it says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, and the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived, all of us, in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. We were all just like the the Thessalonians. All of us at one point have been consumed with with the world and have worshipped these these idols and these created things instead of God. What does verse 4 say? But God. But God. God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Verse 6, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show us the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's a gift of God. Not a result of works, like we were talking about, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, a labor of love, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. By grace you have been saved. By grace you have been saved. Now let's get back to to verse 10. It says, And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. And this is the hope that we have. The El Peace. The strong, confident expectation. We have hope in the return of the king. We have hope in the return of King Jesus. He's coming back. And we're going to talk more about this later on in the book. First Thessalonians goes pretty ham when, when, it goes, when it gets into Jesus coming back, and it's going to be good. But I just wanted to describe Jesus, some passages of Jesus in the book of Revelation. I just wanted to give you a little bit, picture, a little bit of a picture of our king. Revelation 1, 13 through 16 says, In the midst of the lampstands, 
one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars, which represents the church. And from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun shining in full strength. And now Revelation 19, 11 through 16. This is, this is, one, of the, this is one of the most um, incredible. This is awesome. All right. Read this with me. Revelation 19, 11 through 16. Then I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse. The one sitting on it is called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire and on his head are many diadems, which is another word for crowns, uh, just showing his ultimate royalty and authority. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. Man, how cool is that? That's like, that's a whole nother level. He has a name written that nobody knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name in which he is called is the word of God. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The return of the king is not going to be in a manger in Bethlehem. The world is going to know that he is, in fact, the king. But this Jesus, this king, what does it say in that last, in that last bit? He has delivered us from the wrath to come. He has delivered us from the righteous wrath of a holy God. By grace, you have been saved through faith. Pray with me. Father, God, you are so incredible. God, you are so awesome. You are holy. You are righteous. Father, you are the creator and you are the sustainer of the universe. And Lord, we are, we are so thankful. Father, we're so humbled at the fact that you have chosen to love us. God, we are so thankful that you have chosen to send your son and die for us so that we could have a relationship with you. God, even as we speak to you now, Lord, we, we understand and, and we realize that it is such an honor for us to even be talking to you. God, we thank you that you hear us. Father, I just pray right now as, as, as we give people an opportunity to respond, Lord, that you would be working in people's lives. Father, that you would be softening hearts, that you would just be just giving people such a strong desire to just live for you if they aren't now, God. Those people that don't know you yet, Father, speak to them. We ask you, we beg you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. That was, there was a lot. There was a lot in these few verses. There was a lot of encouragement, but there was also a lot of challenges. And I want to give us uh, the opportunity again to, to sit down and really think. Just, just bow your head and close your eyes. And I want you to meditate on, on some of the things that we talked about tonight. I challenge you to think about your faith. And I want to pose this question to you again. What is my lifestyle telling me and the world what I believe? What is my lifestyle telling me and the world what I believe? Man, grace is incredible. The Bible says where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. 
So for those of you that have never accepted Christ into your heart, that maybe you're one of those people that believes in the existence of God, right? But you don't believe in God. You don't have a relationship with him and your lifestyle, you look at your lifestyle and you're like, man, I, I definitely don't believe the way that James was talking about. Maybe you're somebody that has given your life to Christ, but you've drifted. Man, you started doing your own thing and you're starting to lose that, that flavor, right, in your soul. I'm going to challenge you guys right now when I give you the opportunity to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you, those of you that want to accept Christ into your life, and those of you that want to come back to Christ and rededicate your life, I'm going to ask you to stand up. And, that's, and, it, and it's, it's scary, right? You get that fear aspect inside of you. And I just want to encourage you, if you have that fear because you're scared of what someone's going to think of you, I'm just going to tell you right now, if you're scared of what your friends are going to think of you or what we're going to think about you, um, man, just throw that away right now. Because if you have friends in here that truly have a relationship with Christ, man, they are going to be so excited for you. Man, and we are going to celebrate with you. Anyways, um, so if, you, if you're, one of the, you're in one of those two groups and you want to give your life to Christ or you want to come back, you say, Jesus, man, take over my heart, man. I want to live for you. I want my lifestyle to represent, man, my faith in you. Then I'm going to give you the, the opportunity right now. So if that's you, stand up. And I want you to stand up, and I want you to look at me. God bless you. Man, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God is so good. God is so incredibly good. Man, and he has chosen you. God loves you. God loves you. You guys can sit down. Man, God loves you. And we are so excited, man, that we get to be a part of this family. God has given us this church, man. He's given us each other so that we can walk through this together. We can sharpen each other. We can encourage each other. Um, but man, so, so if you guys could all just say this prayer with me, everybody, including those that, that stood up, just, uh, just follow along in this prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, you are so good. Lord, we know that we're sinners. We know that we don't deserve you. Yet you have chosen to love us. We believe that you sent your son to die for us. And we believe that he rose again on the third day. So we invite you into our life. And we ask you to change us and help us turn from our sin. So that we can be true lights for you. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Hey everyone, Pastor JD here. You've been listening to a teaching from Ignition Tucson, the Young Adults Ministry of Calvary Tucson. If you live in the greater Tucson area and you're between the ages of 18 to 28, we want to invite you to join us in person. We meet every Thursday evening at 6.30 p.m. at Calvary Tucson's East Campus on Speedway and Camino Seco.
come join us. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you peace.